Now, if you would turn with me <coughs> uh, to the uh, portion of God's Word that we have already read together. 1 Peter chapter 3. We may read again from verse number 18. We may read through to the uh, end of the chapter, just uh, to recall these words. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure went unto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now the portion of scripture that I, the part of the scripture that I wish to more particularly bring to your attention it's the latter part of verse 20 and uh, the whole of verse 21. That is, that Noah, uh, in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the whole passage that I have read is um, uh, in uh, some respects, in fact in many respects, one of the most difficult that we have uh, in the scriptures of the New Testament uh, to uh, interpret to people's satisfaction. It is, we might say, bristling with difficulties. And I can assure you I did not choose this passage because of its difficulties, nor with any intention of trying to resolve them. Uh, especially difficulties in connection with uh, what it says in respect of uh, uh, this preaching unto the spirits in prison and so on. Uh, there are enough difficulties in connection with the limited subject that we have chosen without involving ourselves in these more uh, obscure problems. What I want to do is to try and bring uh, to your attention some thoughts concerning uh, the uh, ordinance of baptism because today we are to administer this sacrament uh, to uh, the parents on behalf of their infant children. Uh, and uh, this scripture helps us uh, to uh, uh, gain some insight into the significance of this ordinance. 
uh, in the Christian church. Now, uh, coming to the point as quickly as I possibly can, uh, there is a comparison and contrast made here by the Apostle Peter indeed for his own specific purposes. He chose this uh, uh, comparison and contrast in order to advance his argument. But uh, there is a comparison and contrast made between one time in the world's history and the present time. He speaks of uh, a time when uh, once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, or if you want to speak of it, he spoke of some time, some time, a time in the past. And you will notice that he speaks in verse 21 of the present, the like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Now, uh, there is, I might say, perhaps a greater emphasis upon the element of comparison than there is on contrast, but there is contrast as well. And that thing in the past uh, that he uh, brings before us is the uh, circumstances connection in connection with Noah's deliverance. Uh, at the time of the flood, and he compares baptism in this present time uh, with the deliverance uh, that was effected in the case of Noah at the time of the flood. That much is clear, uh, but it is not easy to um, see clearly every point of the comparison. Uh, and uh, even every point of the contrast. And uh, I will not uh, presume to make uh, absolutely transparent every point of it, but uh, try to highlight those aspects of the comparison which will help us in our appreciation of the significance of the sacrament of baptism. Now, uh, as then, so now, uh, the, the issue is the issue of salvation. It is the matter of salvation that is at issue. Noah needed to be saved. People now need to be saved. And I think that I could go on and say that as water was instrumental in the salvation of Noah, so now water is instrumental in the salvation of uh, believers, even the water of baptism. I think that um, uh, we have the main point of the comparison in that statement. And perhaps it is this that we should uh, emphasize. Now let us uh, look at one or two points of the comparison. 
Uh, it is said um, that Noah and uh, his family were saved, or eight souls were saved. And contrary to our common thinking about that particular event, what we have here is stated is that he was saved by water, or if one would uh, be uh, emphatic upon the most literal interpretation of the preposition, we could use it as being saved through water. But it doesn't matter. There is not that great a difference between being saved by water or being saved through water as long as we think of it in an instrumental way. Uh, we are not to think that it was the water itself that was the savior. Uh, what is being said is that water was the means of Noah's salvation. Noah and, of course, the other members of his family. Now that, as I said, is not the way that we usually think of that particular event. We, more are, we, we are more inclined to think of them as being saved from the water that they were saved from the water of the flood. But that is not what is said here. What is said is that they were saved by or through the waters of the flood. Now that gives us uh, immediately, uh, that raises immediately a question about the nature of the salvation uh, that was uh, enjoyed by Noah and his family. Uh, we are so ready to conclude that uh, on our casual reading that Noah's salvation consisted in his being delivered from being drowned uh, by the waters. But uh, the very fact that it was the waters that were instrumental in his salvation surely precludes that or uh, implicitly suggests that there is something far more to the salvation of Noah than the fact that he was not overwhelmed with the water in the sense of being physically drowned. And what was the salvation in the case of Noah? Well, when we read the scriptures a little bit more closely, we become aware of a situation that was developing. Uh, and developing at an alarming uh, rate uh, in, uh, on the earth. Men uh, were become in, becoming increasingly more wicked uh, to, the ex to the extent that it is said that uh, the thoughts of the imaginations of his heart were only evil continually. In other words, uh, man was becoming dominated in his entire personality, in thought, in character, and in behavior by sin, by evil. And as a consequence, the world was becoming an increasingly evil and corrupt place. Now, it is quite obvious when we read carefully uh, the uh, account in scripture that the salvation that was 
enjoyed by Noah was deliverance from this all-encompassing wickedness and corruption uh, leading to destruction. This is, we believe, uh, a proper understanding of salvation in the case of Noah. He was, by the grace of God, a righteous person. And uh, uh, God, in his mercy, delivered him uh, or saved him from the prevailing wickedness uh, which uh, was even uh, endangering Noah himself. Such was the, not only the power uh, of wickedness but the contagious influence of it that even the righteous themselves were in danger of being engulfed by it. And in order to preserve a righteous seed to himself, God brought a flood of destruction upon the world of sinners, but that very flood was his means of bringing his people out of that desperately wicked, wicked, wicked situation and thereby saving them. Now, there is something uh, to be emphasized here which one would like to dwell on at far greater length in connection with this thought. Uh, it is interesting uh, that all through this passage what is being emphasized is not uh, in any respect uh, a swiftness on the part of God to move to the destruction of a wicked world, but of tolerance and forbearance beyond all expectation. And only when the situation became utterly and totally hopeless did God uh, intervene in judgment. And we have this uh, figure of God, this uh, figure of God extending his long suffering towards the absolute limit in order to effect the salvation of people. And when you consider, if I may put it uh, in uh, concrete terms, when you consider that for 120 years or so that God strove with people in order to the effect the salvation of eight persons, then we have an insight into the reluctance upon the part of God to bring the judgment of destruction upon sinners. But when sinners will persist in their ungodliness, then it will come in accordance with his own threatening and promise. But <clears throat> that was uh, the case in respect of Noah. Now, uh, in uh, uh, the uh, to to take out the time of the the present time, what he is saying now is that just as in the case of in the, in the case of Noah, that he was saved by the water, saved by the water, in that the water, as it were, on the one hand. 
are blotted out. Uh, the corruption that was endangering him and brought him uh, in the ark, of course, brought him in the ark into uh, the enjoyment of a new life in, as it were, a new creation. So, it would seem to me what he is saying is that water does the same now. That doesn't come out so clearly in uh, our translations, either in it, either the English or the Gaelic. But in the Greek it does come out. And justice is only done to it when, first of all, the element of water is brought into prominence. But it is said, it is made clear that it is not water of any kind. What is brought into prominence is the water of baptism, or baptism as it uh, consists in the administration of this element of water. Now, that is perhaps a thought uh, that really uh, causes us to uh, stop and to ponder, if not even to hiccup, at the very suggestion uh, that water, even the water of baptism, now saves us. Uh, <clears throat> what are we to understand by this? What are we to understand by this? Well, as you know, there are, there are, there have been, and there still are, and perhaps uh, gaining wide, more widespread currency today than perhaps for some time. There is the notion that uh, the waters of baptism mechanically effect the salvation of the baptized. Uh, even if we don't go so far as uh, the Church of Rome and uh, the Greek and Orthodox churches and perhaps uh, some others, that there is no salvation without baptism, uh, which is, of course, their position, uh, that baptism is absolutely and totally indispensable to salvation, which we believe to be contrary to the direct testimony of the Word of God. But even if we don't go that far, there is a tendency to think that uh, whilst we would not exclude uh, the notion of what would, would exclude the notion of the absolute necessity of baptism to salvation, yet that somehow or other that baptism itself or the waters of baptism do effect the salvation of uh, the, uh, those to whom it is administered, those who receive it. Now, oftentimes uh, when reference is made to that point, uh, the doctrine of baptismal regeneration is referred to, and that is that, uh, without uh, going into things in great deal, great detail, that uh, the uh, the water, the application of the water of baptism, affects the spiritual renewal of the person baptized. I will I will just leave it at that. That automatically or mechanically. The waters of baptism affect the spiritual renewal of the person baptized. But do you know that 
There was a doctrine of the efficacy of, or the uh, certain efficacy of baptism to the salvation of the baptized. There was a remnant of that present uh, even amongst ourselves. I remember in my younger days when uh, infant mortality was more prevalent than it is now, when uh, uh, it was unthinkable uh, to uh, allow a, an infant, a babe, to die without that babe being baptized. Now, I have no doubt whatsoever, but that uh, back of that kind of thinking was this, that somehow or other, that if the child was baptized, if the infant was baptized, his salvation was thereby at least uh, made somewhat more sure. Now, uh, there were, we might, we, we might consider that that, is, that that was rather far-fetched, but we have to remember that uh, some of the most prominent theologians uh, whose works are most revered by us have held a p the position uh, that every baptized infant is saved, that every baptized infant is saved. And uh, there are those today who think in, along these lines too. Well, uh, what we say when we, when, when we read such passages as this uh, is that the, the scripture takes uh, the, the, the matter not in the sense that this is universally and without exception true, but that it is where things are as they should be, where we have not only, as it were, uh, the symbol, but where we have the reality, where we have the thing in its ideal, where we have baptism in its ideal, where we have that fulfilled, that then we can say that the water of baptism saves. Not in the sense that it itself affects the salvation, but uh, that it is when it is all that it is purported to be in the scripture, all that it is meant to be in the scripture, that then it does save. The water of baptism does save. Now, it would take far too long for me to go through uh, the testimony of God's word to show that this is not making too high a claim in connection with the sacrament. Uh, but I wish to go on, what is the nature of the salvation that is effected by baptism? What is the nature of the salvation that is effected by baptism? Well, I think that uh, the, there is comparison and contrast here uh, with, the, with the case of Noah. We saw that in Noah's case, the salvation was a salvation from uh, the sin and corruption, the iniquity and filth 
with which the world was of which the world was so full that even the more the righteous were in danger of being engulfed by and it seems to me that this is the reason why the apostle peter make put such such emphasis not the putting away of the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience toward god now what I think that this does here is that what we find throughout the New Testament scriptures as a whole, that when we come to the matter of what we are to be saved from, the scriptures of the New Testament are much more penetrating than even those of the old. Penetrating in the sense that they make much more explicitly clear that sin is not uh, a problem that is exterior to us or external to us it is not merely the sinful world that we are saved from although we are saved from that the apostle paul speaks that christ gave himself a sacrifice for us in order that he might deliver us from this present evil world and peter himself speaks of having been delivered from the vain kind of life which we had received by tradition from our fathers there is a pattern of life external as it were to our psyche that we are saved from there is no question of that but it goes far deeper than that and that is why i think he says here not the putting away of the filth of the flesh i don't think that peter is merely saying look baptism is not a washing of the body what he is saying is much more than that he is saying salvation in the sense that baptism brings it goes as it were to the root of what the flood was only symbolic of the flood cleansed as it were the world in its external character from sin baptism does not is the efficacy of baptism is not limited to any external purgation that is the, re, the removing from the life of a lifestyle that is corrupt and sinful or the separating us from a world that is evil and sinful it does that but it does much more but the much more is very difficult to really understand he speaks of it here as the answer of a good conscience toward god it's the answer of a good conscience toward god now one of the things that I have been amazed at in, a certain, uh, in, in, in those who have tried to interpret these passages that there is, as it were, a disjunction between the salvation that is said to be effected by baptism and the answer of a good conscience. I think that the, the answer of a good conscience toward God is the very heart of the salvation that baptism effects. But what does it mean? the answer of a good conscience toward God. There are some who taking the, the, the thing as we, as we have it translated here in the sense of that when a person has the questions that are properly addressed to him at baptism, when he gives the answer of a sincere and true faith to these questions. Do you believe 
For instance, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior of sinners. And do you believe that through his atoning death that you have uh, deliverance from all your sins? That if you can reply with a sincere faith in the affirmative to that, that it is the affirmative sincere answer to these questions that is implied here. But there again, I am left with the fact that that has not gone to the root of the problem. Uh, all important as the, as the response of the heart is in that respect, there is something I think that is deeper than even the response of the heart. It's the actual state or condition of the heart itself. There are some who have suggested that because they find some difficulty with the term answer, that they have gone to the sense of an appeal to God, or a prayer to God, and a prayer to God, a request, that it is a request that is being made in the acknowledgement of sin and the exercise of faith that God would cleanse us through the waters of baptism. But I, I cannot myself accept that. And what I feel is Signified here is that baptism saves us, how? That it saves us by the fact that it gives us, as it were, the appeal of a good conscience toward God. Now, what is a good conscience toward God? What is a good conscience toward God? Well, <clears throat> Peter speaks in the, in the foregoing context of a good conscience. There he speaks of a person leading a blameless life, so that when we, are, when we suffer, uh, that we are not suffering on account of wrongdoing, but that, our, that we have a good conscience in that respect. But here, it is not necessarily the same thing that he means, and I don't think it's the same thing that he means. I think that what he means here is what the scriptures generally teach by a good conscience toward God, and that is a heart that has been cleansed from sin by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you will hear, by the water of baptism, which signifies and seals as well as represents the purging power of Christ's blood. And what he is saying here is, baptism effects salvation. How? Because where baptism is truly received as it is administered in the gospel, then the, if the result of baptism, or what baptism signifies then, is that that person, as to his conscience, as to his standing before God, has been absolved from his sin, and that not only is his guilt removed, but we can also go on to say that the corrupting, uh, destructive power of sin in his heart has been... Uh, it's broken, but I think that the, 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 the emphasis is particularly on the judicial aspect, the fact that sin, although there, has been, as it were, cleansed, purged, washed away in the blood of Christ. And how is this? Well, in baptism, we have this appeal before God. The appeal that we have, or that we stand before God upon the ground 
that we have been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ of which our baptism is not only a representation and a sign but also a seal of it upon our hearts. Now, he says that it's through the resurrection of Christ. Now, uh, as we know, there is uh, in salvation, as I tried to show even in the case of Noah, there is a destroying of the old and a building of a new, the creation of a new. And let me just say this. You know, there are a lot of people who represent conversion today and the work of the grace of God in people's heart. Something along this line. Look, your life is not complete. You don't have Christ. Your life is not complete and you need Christianity in order to complete your life. Let me tell you, friend, the old life is not something that has to be completed. It's something that has to be destroyed. It's not just something that is not just adequate in itself. Scripture never speaks of the life of unbelief, the state and condition of unfaith, as being, as it were, an incomplete. It speaks of it as an evil state and as a thing that will have to be destroyed and taken away. And I think incalculable harm is being done. By saying to people, just add a touch of Christianity to your life and you'll be complete. No, the old has got to be destroyed and a new has got to be created. And in baptism, that is done. Salvation is the deliverance from the old, the destruction of the old and the creation of the new. The creation of the new. Or if you will, the appeal of a good conscience toward God. What kind? Not in the sense in which we say how righteous I am, how pure I am, how holy I am, or anything of that nature, but of being in Christ Jesus a new person, cleansed and made anew in the Lord. And just the emphasis is here on his resurrection because the emphasis is upon the newness of the life that we have in the salvation that is ours, of which baptism is the symbol. Now, there is much more that one could say upon this point, but uh, I think that uh, our time is passed and uh, we better conclude there. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God, we pray that thou wilt bless to us our meditations upon thy holy word. We confess that we are not thither worthy to receive the least of thy gifts. We pray that thou wilt, O Lord, our God, make all of us partakers of that salvation, of that new life, of which we have uh, learned a little anew today from thy holy word, that it will be with us through our baptism as it was with Noah, through the waters by which he was saved, uh, that our baptism will be unto us, the dying unto the old life of sin and the rising with Christ in the newness of the life of the Spirit, 
looking forward to that glorious and blessed hope of which our Lord and Savior assures his people that he shall bestow upon them. Pardon our many sins for the Redeemer's sake. Amen. Psalm 127, Psalm 127, we may sing the whole psalm, the whole psalm, the Tunis Kilmarnock, sorry, the Tunis and Andrew. Psalm 127, the whole psalm, the Tunis and Andrew. Except the Lord to build the house, the builders lose their pain. Except the Lord, the city keep the, the watchmen watch in vain. Tis vain for you to rise betimes or late from rest to sleep, to feed on sorrow's bread. So gives he his beloved sleep, and so on. The whole psalm to the tune of St. Andrew. <coughs> Let us uh, read our warrant uh, for administering this ordinance. Uh, we may read it as we, find, as we have that given to us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, 
we may read at verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. There we have a warrant from the Word of God for the administering of this ordinance. Now, in the former part of the service, I was trying to uh, bring to your notice something of the significance or the importance of baptism in that it is said in Scripture to say to save us now at this present time. I tried, I hope, uh, to uh, disabuse your minds of any thought that it, would, that it would automatically or mechanically do so. Uh, but uh, I want to return to the, just for briefly, to this uh, notion that why baptism? Why baptism? When <laughs> He said, did he just uh, sort of uh, think of Noah and then uh, say, uh, oh yes, uh, that's wonderful, now I can use this uh, incident, incident of Noah and bring in a reference to baptism. Surely that was not the way that the Holy Spirit uh, would move and holy man of God to write. Uh, no, there was deliberation, there was purpose. He had a reason to single out baptism in this connection. And uh, the reason for it, I think, is this, that uh, in fact we can say that there were two reasons, particularly uh, before his mind. One was that the apostle was concerned uh, to look at this matter of salvation from its very inception uh, <clears throat> as well as looking towards its conclusion and uh, there uh, baptism figures uh, not only as uh, that through which uh, or the acceptance of which or the undergoing of which uh, the professing person uh, was uh, recognized as being one of the Lord's redeemed. Uh, it was that. Baptism was, in that sense, uh, a profession or a badge of the profession of their faith. By, by this they professed their faith in Christ. Or, if you want to put it in another way, at the reception of baptism, they, at that particular point, professed their faith in Christ. But <clears throat> I think more than merely from the point of view that it was the initiating act by which they were recognized as professors of the true religion of Jesus Christ, uh, the one and only Savior, but 
that baptism signified in a particular way salvation in its, may I, may I use the word, begunness. Uh, in what it is, as it were, at the beginning of the process. And uh, it focus, focuses attention. It did and it does. It focuses attention upon the fact that by nature that we are sinners and that we need to be saved from our sins. And uh, that uh, by nature uh, we do not have a life that is of benefit to ourselves or that is to the honor of God but that we have a life that is under the curse and that is ruinous and that is to the dishonor of God and baptism uh, points us towards a life uh, even the life of the spirit the life that we have in Christ and the life that is to the glory of God and of course in its other aspect it uh, brings to our attention the triumphant nature of the Christian life for baptism is not only into the death of Christ but also a baptism into his resurrection as we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall also be and we are in our baptism pl planted into the likeness of his resurrection if you think that I am not uh, careful in my use of the scripture then you have the scripture saying that we are risen again with him uh, in our uh, in our union with him in baptism we are risen with Christ and it is this triumphant uh, resurrection life which we have begun to enjoy now as uh, we have been blessed with our baptism into Christ but which also uh, anticipates and looks forward to that uh, great day when as sons of the resurrection God's believing people uh, will live through and through when all signs, when all evidences of the old life of sin will have been we might put it away, washed away forever and when not a vestige of its ruinous and evil effects will have been left upon our nature and we shall have been wholly made new uh, in Christ Jesus at the resurrection. And so the emphasis is upon baptism and upon the resurrection in that great passage that we were considering. And where the reality is and not just merely the symbol, we can say that that is effective. And I trust and pray that this is the way that it will be uh, with all of those who are present here today. And I would ask uh, the parents to please stand as the fathers take upon them uh, the vows uh, in connection with baptism. Uh, do you own and acknowledge uh, the word of God to be uh, the holy scriptures and the only rule for our living to God's glory and to our own good. And do you confess that you believe the one only living and through God, uh, three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, uh, to be your God?
Do you confess that all your hope of salvation is in Christ, in what he did and what he is doing at the right hand of God? Do you promise to uh, uh, raise up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord that by your teaching and by your example that you will set before them uh, the pattern of a life of godliness and inculcate that upon them? The vows of the Lord God are upon you. Uh, let us pray. Let us pray. O Lord our God, uh, we come into thy presence and we confess each and every one of us that uh, even in the commitment of our faith which is most sincere that there is much weakness. We confess that none of us have ever been holy and totally true without exception to our commitments and to our vows and to our profession. We have sinned grievously against thee in these matters and we pray that thou wilt in mercy look upon us all here, not only those who have professed anew today and vowed afresh, but on, upon all of us who have made similar profession and made similar avowals. Have mercy upon us in that we have fallen so far short of what we, have, what we ought to have been and what we promised to be. And we pray that thou wilt especially bless uh, the parents that are standing here before us and their little ones that they are presenting to thee. We ask of thee, O Lord our God, that as we set some of this water aside from a common to unholy use, that it may please thee to make this the element not only of, the, of an external administration, but that thou wilt be pleased to so bless what we are doing to those who are receiving it, that the reality of what this is but a symbol uh, will be sealed upon their hearts, that as Christ is outwardly represented to us all here present in the water, the benefits of the new covenant are represented to us here in the external symbol of the water, that this will be represented to them in the vision of their soul, and that as these things are received literally upon the bodies of the infant children, uh, that the glorious provisions of the gospel of thy grace will be received believingly uh, in, uh, uh, into the heart. And even these little ones that are yet incapable of conscious faith, that they would have this applied to them by thy Holy Spirit. We ask of thee to grant unto all of us here the blessing of thy grace uh, that we may have. Uh, this means sanctify to our use. Help the parents, not only today, but in the days that lie ahead, to discharge their responsibilities to thee and to dis discharge them to their children, that they may raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And when they have a care of their persons, not only in providing food and caring for their health and well-being in general, may they remember their particular stewardship and respect to their children's souls and pardon our many sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.